We've been talking about the power of your confession. The last time we were here, we kind of went behind the scenes into the foundation of this whole teaching, and we were talking about our thought life. You know, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, look at verse 6. Romans chapter 10 in verse 6. It says, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks this way. This is the way it speaks. Now remember, we've all been made righteous by faith. We, didn't, we weren't made the righteousness of God because how good we were, right? Everything good in my life is because of Jesus. If I got what I deserved, I don't even want to go there, right? But thank God I simply believed what his word said, that Jesus was made sin with my sin. And now, because I received that sacrifice, I am literally made the very righteousness of God in Christ. Wow. I was crucified with him. I was baptized with him. Buried with him. That's what, that's what it talks about. I was buried with him in baptism. I was raised to a brand new life. I'm no longer the same person right? Whoever's in Christ is a new species. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything becomes new and all things are of God, right? So here I am, the righteousness of God. Then I was seated with him in heavenly places far above any, any power of the enemy that could ever come against me. Isn't that amazing? I've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, it's amazing. I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and I've also been given the name of Jesus, which has all authority in heaven on earth and under the earth, which enables me to bind the enemy, and whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Heaven backs it up. Whatever I loose on this earth, it's loosed in heaven. So now God has made a way for me to walk in this earth. And how the righteousness, which is of faith, it speaks a certain way. Now, if you jump down to verse 8, it says, but what does it say? What does the righteousness, which is of faith, say? The word is nigh thee, it's near me. Even in my mouth and in my heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach. How does the righteousness which is of faith speak? We're talking about our confession. It always speaks under the umbrella is the word of God is near me. What do I mean by that? It's in my heart and it's in my mouth. It never departs out of my mouth. I'm always talking the word. In other words, you know, we're talking about the power of your confession. The word confession is the Greek word homo logeo. It means to say the same thing. My, the way I talk, if I'm speaking out of my spirit, I will say what he says. Well, what does he say? It's his word. So his word, I believe it in my heart and I'm speaking it out of my life. It's how I got saved, right? It's how I received Christ and got born again. And it's how I got saved, which means it's how I got, get healed, right? It's how I prosper, it's how I walk free. It's how I walk in wholeness. How I'm delivered. All of these things. I believe his word in my heart and I speak it out of my mouth. 
I don't speak what I feel. I don't speak what I see. I speak what I believe. Right? This is what we're talking about. And then it says this. Well, it goes on and it explains. It says here that if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, he's given us an example. This is how we got saved. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of all and also is my Lord, right? How many of you have done that? We did that, didn't we, to get born again? If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, but, but you can't just confess it. You have to confess it out of what you believe in your heart. What do you believe in your heart? That God hath raised him from the dead. That means that he is the God of all creation. That means he is who he says he is. I believe it. I believe Jesus lived on this earth, that he died on a cross in my place, that he redeemed me from the curse of the law and is now seated at the right hand of God and he watches over his word to perform it in my life. And his word is forever settled in heaven. It's not subject to change. The only thing that's subject to change is everything I could see in this earth. So if there's sickness in your body tonight, it's subject to change. But by his stripes you were healed, that's not subject to change. If you have, if you have this much of, of money that you have to pay out this month and you have this much income coming in, listen, that's subject to change. You can see it. But what's not subject to change is he'll meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That he was made poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. It's, a, it's literally a financial term. It means a full and abundant supply. If you have just enough money to live that you're not in the will of God. The will of God is that you have more than enough to live at, on his level, right? Because you don't decide where you live. That you live on, because see, how do you know that maybe you're supposed to live in a certain place because your fruit's there? Amen. Or drive something. See, we don't get, we don't, who cares about these material things? Listen, when you get in the secret place, they mean nothing. Everything becomes a tool to reach people. Because that's why we're here. Right? But we live, we work, we, we do work, we go grocery shopping, we go to gas stations, because our steps are ordered and we're light and who knows where, where light needs to go. And it's not about us, it's all about him. Amen. Amen? So this is big. And it says here, for with the heart, now it's explaining the, how this works, how verse 9 works. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You could say this, confession is made Unto healing, because the word salvation means healing. Confession is made unto prosperity, because the, words, the, word, the word salvation means prosperity. Confession is made unto wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. Right? Safety, freedom from apprehension. Because that salvation means all of that. So it shows us how it means. And now... But now it's going to go in and it's going to tell us the progression that we must know as believers. Verse 11, for the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Do you believe on him tonight? 
So therefore, if the word is true, you can never be condemned or, be sh- or shamed, be shamed by anybody else or yourself. Wow. So me walking free from guilt, shame, and condemnation has nothing to do with my behavior. I'll only walk in it if I believe on the name. See, when I stand face to face at the judgment seat, at the Bema seat of Christ, I'm not going to be judged because literally, I'm not, all my sins have been forgiven. It's already been washed away. But all that I'm to do in this earth, all my works are going to be judged and fire will judge all of them. And the only ones that remain will be ones that were done in faith in the love of God, be led by the Spirit of God, everything I did in my own self will burn up. Right? But as I stand before Him, I could be rest assured that everything, all the works that are going to remain, which in Jesus' name will be all of them, right? Because here's the key. If you did anything stupid down here, just repent. And, and deal with that now so you don't have to deal with it then. So you could just be like, okay, bring it on. Because everything that remains is what he did through your life. And that crown, when he says, well done, good and faithful servant, and he gives you this victor's crown, it's not a diadem crown like he wears because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He gives us a victor crown. And that crown, what it does, you're going to look at it and remember all that God did through your life. Isn't that amazing? For all eternity, see, Zoe life is to realize that I have been created to be one with him, to walk with him in intimate fellowship, I'm not to live in spiritual death, which means I try to live life for myself, to be my own man. Nope, I'm owned by him. I've been created that way. Isn't that wonderful? So then it goes on in verse 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, the Greek being everyone else who's not a Jew. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. So this means Everyone who calls upon God, he's rich unto them. He gives them much more than they could even imagine. Unto how many? All that call upon him. So when you call upon him, what will the enemy do? He'll lie to you and say, you're not worthy. Oh, you're not worthy for that. Wait a minute, it has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with you. God already said, listen, I am more than enough for anybody who will call upon me. Hey, God, I really messed up. Great, here I am. Let's give it to me. I'll clean it up. I don't have to clean up my own mess. When I realize that, I'll stop making messes. Because I'll walk in this, oh my gosh, God loves me so much. It's awesome. I'll invite him into my life. It says here, verse 13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So whenever a person calls, they're saved. 
Whenever a person speaks the word of God, they get the result that the word has for them. Whosoever. This is for whosoever. This isn't for special people. Well, this isn't just for a pastor. Nope, this is for all of us. Listen, the highest, the highest title we have. Sometimes we think because of the fivefold ministry, oh, if you're a pastor, an apostle, an evangelist, a prophet, or a teacher, that that's a higher title. No, 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 no. Child of God is the highest title. What we do for God is nothing compared. It flows out of who we are, right? And everything God has you and I do, is it's, it's a matter of serving other people because that's what we've been created to do. So it says here, whosoever shall call shall be saved. But then it says this, but how can you call on him in whom you've not believed? So in other words, in order to speak or call, you have to believe right. The other end of that thing is if you believe wrong, your speech and actions will be wrong and you'll get the wrong result. Remember, you've, boy, this year we've been talking a lot about this. But then it goes on to say, how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? So in other words, my beliefs are based on what I hear. That's why Jesus said, be really careful how you hear, what you hear, and who you hear. He always would say this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The deciding factor on whether you're hearing or not is up to you. But man, whatever, whatever you're hearing is what you're going to believe. Whatever you believe is what you're going to act on and speak about. And that's going to determine your result. So don't try to change. See, we're talking about the power of your confession. Don't try to change your words. Let's go all the way back and let's just change what we're hearing. And let me, let me uh, give you a little secret. Do you know who you listen to more than anybody? You, right? Don't they say, I think self-talk is like 1,500 words a minute. So while you're living your life, you're talking to yourself about 1,500 words a minute. So you better renew your mind with the word of God so that God could pull out all those plants in your mind that the enemy planted. Because you don't need to be walking around going, I'm worthless, I'm worthless, I'm worthless. You don't even know you're saying that to yourself. I'm stupid, I'm not enough. This, you know. No, 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 you need to be walking around and in that subconscious mind of yours, he's captured your imagination. The thoughts that your mind is now thinking is, man, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right, All things are possible to me because I believe him. I'm going to live long on this earth and declare his works. Right? He always causes me to triumph. He always makes me the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'll be the first and not the last. See, this is how we want to talk to ourselves. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him or call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So that means a preacher is a proclaimer. So that means God is going to send 
proclaimers into your life. This is why the foundation of your Christian life, you hear me say this all the time, will be the church that you're planted in. You know, the local church. See, we know it's not perfect because we're all a work in progress. But it can be perfect if we define it as Bible perfect, which is wholehearted, not, not flawless, right? If you want the perfect church, you could have it, it's, but it's, it's off the planet. It's in heaven. So, but you don't want to leave there until you've done everything here, right? Even though it'll be better there, it's important that you're here until you're done so that you can yield all your fruit because you want other people to be there, right? So, so this is very important now. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they, he- how shall they preach except they be sent? So God will bring preachers in your life. Your pastor, you should connect with him. Whatever church God would plant you in, you'll connect with, with that message. So you've got to make sure he's preaching the word of God under the anointing of God, right? Allowing the Holy Spirit to give him utterance, right? Because, and this is, who, this is who God will send to you. But then in addition to that, thank God. See, God has used technology now where we have access to the greatest teaching gifts in the body of Christ. Have you noticed how you'll connect with some and not others? Not that the others are not good, they just, there's certain people that God will send specifically to you because he's got a message that he's put in them that you need. And see, here's the thing. You'll have some Christians that will stay home and not be part of a local church and they can hear the best teaching in the world, but they never get very far because nobody, there's no example in the word of anybody going in to the promised land without their company. Nobody went in alone. They go in with their company. So if a person is planted in in the place where God has them, remember the blessing of the Lord is in the land that he plants you, now he'll send you to other teaching gifts that will just literally, will just grow you up. It's wonderful. Some of you talk about how that, you know, you never get me out of your ear. Because of that church app. You're listening all the time. And that's wonderful. And, then, and those people tend to listen to other ministers a lot. You know, I, I have certain ministers that I connect with. And it's amazing how all of a sudden I'll have it on my heart. I'll just be like, you know, I think I'm going to listen to this person. And I'll put, the, I'll, I'll literally, you know, I have a lot of audio teaching and I just flip that on and I'm driving down the street or wherever I'm at and it'll just literally be perfect. Exactly what God has for me that day. It's wonderful. Why does that happen for me? Because I'm planted in the church I'm supposed to be planted. And because I have a pastor. So I'm positioned to where I'm hearing the people that have been sent to me. And so now it helps me think right because I'm hearing right. And so now I can believe right. And then because I believe right, I can speak right and act right and get the right results in my life. So we've been talking about this thing we call thoughts. So run over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Hallelujah. So that's the progression. Don't beat yourself up. Don't don't try in your own strength to talk right. 
you start hearing right and get in the right place, you know, step number one is you're going to have to put yourself in the right environment so that you can hear right because God wants to grow you up. Sometimes you've got to leave places where you're at and that's uncomfortable to your flesh. But don't worry about that. You'll probably be able to go back to that place once you get strong enough, you know? So don't worry about whatever. But see, don't try to stay in a place just because your flesh wants to. And oh, the enemy, man, he'll be like, listen, what'll happen to these people that were in your life if you just kind of remove yourself? As if you're their savior. Nope. Right? What would happen to Faith Family Church if Pastor Tony was not here? Listen, Faith Family Church is not about Pastor Tony. It's about, it's about the great shepherd. Amen? I mean, if you want to know, see, this is the cool thing. If I want to know how important I am in this thing called Faith Family Church, this is, this is how you could tell. You could take a bucket of water and you put your hand in it. And when you pull it out, the indention that's left is how important it is. See, God, God is God. Now, I've made a decision in my life, he's not going to have to get anybody else. I'm like, no, no, Lord, I, no, just, just, I'm willing. Flesh, did you hear that? We're willing. Amen? Same thing in your life. God's not going to have to get anybody else to yield your fruit. You're going to do it. Right? That's, and we're going to do it together. So Romans chapter 12, verse 2, says, and be not conformed to this world. That tells me a couple things. This word conformed means don't be pressed into the mold of the world. So that tells me that there's going to be continuous pressure in my life to conform to the world. But here's the good news. It also tells me where it says, and be not conformed to this world, it tells me that I decide. The world can't press me into the mold. Nobody can make you be like the world. You're stronger than that. Why? Because of the greater one that lives on the inside of you. It says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word transformed, literally, it's the Greek word metamorpho. It, it's where we get the word metamorphosis from. You know how a, a caterpillar is metamorphosized into a butterfly, if that's a correct word. In other words, for a Christian, like on the Mount of Transfiguration, it used the same Greek word when Jesus was transfigured. What was on the inside of him showed on the outside. That's what happens to you and I as we make a decision, I will not be pressed into the world system, but I will be transformed by the renewing. This Greek word means the renovation of my mind. Whenever you renovate anything, step number one is you pull it all out, right? When we renovated this room, man, we had to do some serious stuff. I mean, I, I, I really am glad we don't have yellow shag carpeting in here. How many of you, before we could have these beautiful seats, we had to get rid of those wonderful, bright yellow pews that, you know, were 50 years old, and when you sat on them, you went right down to wood, right? And oh, it just did so much for my personality, because a lot of rips in them with that pink foam stuff sticking out. 
But we, before we could enjoy this, we had to rip the other stuff out. Before you can enjoy a lot, you're going to have to let the Word of God tear out some of these beliefs and thought processes that you have. You're going to have to let yourself be weaned off of detrimental thought processes that steal and kill and destroy. Because what happens is if you're thinking wrong, you're going to believe wrong. And then you're going to talk wrong and you're going to be in a wrong place and get wrong results. So very important. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice the mind is the control center. Even though you're a spirit, you live in a physical body and your spirit possesses a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. Realize this, you're not a body. This is your earth suit, right? So now I have to do what? I have to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. See, my spirit doesn't need to be renewed. It's been made brand new. But I need to renew my mind. That's the control center. That's where Satan's going to come because if he can control your thought life, he can, he can stop you from ever walking in your destiny. Because he'll stop you from ever knowing God's ways or purposes or knowing him. And that's the key. It says here, be transformed by the renovation or renewing of your mind that you may prove. This word prove means determine by experience. That you may, it also means identify or discern what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. If we have the New Living Translation, pull that up because I like the way it says it. It just says it in a really nice way. The New Living Translation says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Notice, you're not transforming yourself, right? Into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we see if you don't make an effort to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you're not doing that, you're going to be conformed to the world's way of thinking. Does that make sense? There's no middle ground. You're either being transformed or you're conforming. So this is very important that you know. We don't, as we grow spiritually, we don't, we don't increase, increase, and then just take a break. When you take a break, you start doing this. Now, the good news is you could turn from that and then you start doing this again, yeah. right? Because God helps you. You must replace what the world has programmed you to think with an example of the Zoe life of God that the Word of God gives you. See, the world will tell you based on everything you've done, based on your past, based on your education, based on the talents that you think you have, there's no way you can do this. But that's not what God says. God says all things are possible to him who's graduated from an Ivy League school. It doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say all things are possible to him who has had millions of dollars passed down to him from his parents. Nope. It says all things are possible to him that believes. And here's the good news with that. Believing is just a choice. That's all it is. Sometimes you look at what God says and you're like, 
Wow. But you know what? You said it, so I believe it. And Satan will go, well, how in the world is that ever going to happen? I don't know. That How's not my deal? If you, hey, you know what, Satan? Go talk to him. Oh, you don't want to talk to him? You still have that lump on your head from the last time you talked to him, right? No, no, he doesn't want to talk to him. But we know the how. The how is God. But God, right? I love the suddenlies in the Bible. You replace what the world has programmed you to think with the example of life that the Word of God gives you. What we're talking about is it's the process of adopting a whole new way of thinking that comes from the Word of God. I don't look at my life as natural. See, it's hard because you, you, work your, you, you, you live your whole life and you work for a paycheck. So I do this and then I get this. And then all of a sudden you might think that if I do this, then God will bless me. And you'll miss it because that's not how it works. When you got saved, you were already given everything. So now what happens is now I'm not asking God to do something with, with, for me or with me. Now it's just the matter of me receiving it. So now if this is what I'm believing God for, I already own it. So now I take what he says and I find out, oh my gosh, I own healing. So now I reach into the spirit realm with the faith that comes from hearing his word. I reach in there and I take possession of the thing I already own. Now here's the thing, once I take possession of it, I still can't see it with my natural eye. But Hebrews tells me that my faith the mere fact that I heard God said he redeemed me from the curse of the law, which includes sickness and disease. When I hear that, faith is birthed in my heart that enables me to lay hold of my healing, and I, I'm not going to get it. I have it right now. And Satan will go, but what, how, did you, how do you feel? Hey, this is getting worse. Doesn't matter because I've already got it. And through faith and patience... I'll receive the promise in my life, in this realm, in my body, in my finances. Nothing can stop it, right? Isn't that good news? But I'm taking possession of what I already own. So now every problem in my life has to bow to who I am in Christ. So that gets me and keeps me out of a works mentality because I can't work for it. I can't work for salvation. I, now, do I do works? Absolutely do. I work out my salvation. I already possess it, so now what do I do? I do what he tells me to do. I believe the word in my heart. I speak it out of my mouth. I meditate in it day and night, right? I, I what? I keep it first place in my life. I keep his word first place in my life. I incline my ear to it. I give it my undivided attention. I keep it ever before my eyes. I'm always seeing myself the way he says I am. I see him the way he says he is. I see that I have what he says he's given me. I keep it ever before my eyes, which enables me to keep his word in my heart. And as his word is in abundance in my heart, Matthew 12, 34 says what? Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth will just speak. So I don't focus on my words, I focus on hearing right, 
and I keep my thoughts right. See, we can't stop the enemy from throwing stupid thoughts. One pastor, I heard him preach one time, and he said he was at the Grand Canyon with his wife, and they were sitting, looking down in the Grand Canyon, and in his mind he heard, throw yourself down. And before he could think about it, he said with a loud voice, you throw yourself down. (laughs) His wife is laughing, right? But see, we can't stop the thought from, have you ever had crazy thoughts? Here's a crazy thought. Man, I I just don't think that this thing I'm believing God for is going to happen. That's a crazy thought. Because God, who's holding everything together, who won't lie, won't change, and can't lie, said it. And it's already done. That's a crazy thought. I can't do this. That's a crazy thought. But as we, as we get back and we govern our thought life and we take thoughts captive by saying, when a thought hits my mind, no, for it is written, by his stripes I was healed. He meets all of my needs. I've been redeemed from the curse of poverty and lack. I've been redeemed from sickness and disease. I don't have a spirit of fear. I have a spirit that is full of a sound mind and power. See, this is how we keep our thought life right. God wants you to meditate in his word so that you will adopt his way of thinking. And then you use it to replace what the world has taught you. So we meditate in the word so that we adopt his way of thinking and then we replace that with what the world has taught us. I don't know how you grew up. Maybe you had parents that abused you sexually, verbally, whatever. Maybe you've made big mistakes in your life. Maybe you have uh, uh, some kind of record that keeps you from something or whatever. Throw it all away. You're a child of God now. Because if there's one thing that I see in the Word of God, it's this. It's all over the book. He says this over and over and over again. Behold, I make all things new. So good. So in Romans chapter 8, in verse 29, it says this. Romans 8, 29. You're in Romans 12. You could flip back to Romans 8. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he did foreknow. Well, who did he foreknow? All of us. To be honest with you, he foreknew every human being that has ever lived and ever will live. All the ones that chose to reject him, he still foreknew them. And he still had a plan for them. They just chose to miss it. But not us. Right? For those who... For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. This Greek word means he pre-planned something for us. What did he pre-plan? For us to be conformed to the image of his son. That word conformed means to be fashioned like unto. God's plan for your life is that you be fashioned like unto Jesus. So if you want to know God's plan for your life, read the Gospels. See how Jesus acted. Was he ever in fear? Did he ever lack? Right? Was he ever moved by his surrounding circumstances? Did he ever allow lack in his life? Never. 
Did he operate in love under all circumstances? Yes. Was he strong? Oh my goodness. I love that statement. Josephus, the secular Jewish historian of Jesus' day, said, I stood before the man they called Jesus of Nazareth, and I feared him more than any army. Which is hilarious because at the same time, kids would run to him. See, it's amazing. When the Bible says, prophesied about Jesus, he is meek. This means, it literally means power, unlimited power under perfect control. Here's Pilate. Don't you know I could kill you? I could have you crucified or I could let you go. And after being beaten to the point where most people didn't even live, he looked at Pilate, he said, no man takes my life. Not, not move, even though his physical body was hurting. See, this is why Jesus knows sickness or disease might be in your body. It has no legal right there, but I don't care how much you're hurting. There's a strength that'll come while you stand and see the healing power of God work and affect a cure and drive it all out of your body. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him, the Bible says, in their infirmity. So be glad and rejoice in that. His plan for your life is that you be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So when you change the way you think, then you're going to be able to identify God's plan for your life. you got to write that down. When you change the way you think, then you'll be able to identify God's plan for your life. Here's the biggest part of that plan. If you don't change the way you think, you're always going to be trying to do it in your own strength. You might, you might get to the point where you're, you think you're there, where, okay, God, I'll take care of these little things, and then you take care of the big things. Well, that doesn't work. Because you're always going to play like you practice. If you're not being led by God in the small things of your life, you won't give him the big things. Right? God accesses, this is the way it works, God accesses your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, through your spirit. You've heard me say this. God will never talk to your mind. He, will, he accesses your mind through your spirit. He doesn't do surfacey stuff. He speaks to your spirit. You are spirit to spirit with him. And it's your spirit that will then communicate that revelation from God's word to your mind. And that's how the word is... See, Satan can't speak to your spirit. He has no access to your spirit, so he just throws thoughts in your mind. Well, how do I know the difference between what's the enemy, what's me, and what's God? Oh, the Word. The Word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. It'll tell you. So everything goes through the Word. God accesses your soul through your spirit, and your spirit is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. See, we're in Christ. The definition of in Christ is the Holy Spirit lives in you. How long will he be there? Forever. Isn't that good news? So the Holy Spirit, what he does on the inside of you, he imparts revelation knowledge from the word of God. We don't have the ability to see any of this. Oh, I can, I can mentally you know, memorize a scripture, but that's not going to get me anywhere. I need the word in my heart. The word gets in my heart 
by me speaking it over and over and over again, then he, he brings revelation. He opens the word on the inside of me and he etches it on my spirit, man. I become one with the word and now my spirit will communicate that to my mind. And when, when, when that happens, when the word's going into my mind, it will pull out all the junk. The word does all the work. See, once that happens, God accesses your soul through your spirit by the Holy Spirit bringing revelation on the inside of you, now direction comes to your life. See, so many believers are so worried and fretting about their life, and, and this is what happens. The stakes seem to get higher. This was me. You know, you, you do the wrong thing, and then there's a price that happens. And then you get a little bit under pressure because this stuff has to happen, otherwise it's going to get worse. And, and so you're crying out to God and you get so to where you're now you're seeking his hand. You're not seeking him. And that's why we need to just get one-on-one -on -one with him and let him impart his power, his presence into our life so that we can relax and know what I've done, the mess that I've made is not going to take me out. And if I'll give it to him, if I'll humble myself and give it to him, he'll work on it, and now he'll eventually, he'll just be able to lift me above that circumstance. It is natural for your soul to do what your body is screaming to do or what you feel like doing. It's natural. Satan knows this. Your body will always scream at your mind. Remember, remember last week, or last time we were together, Pastor Dave brought the word last week. But the week before, Romans 7.22, it says, what, what is it? The law of sin and death in my flesh wars against the law of my mind. It doesn't war against my spirit. It can't. But it wars against my mind trying to bring me, the spirit man that I am, into captivity to the law of sin and death, which is in my flesh. But we don't ever have to walk there because Romans chapter 8, I think it's in verse 2, right after it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those which be in Christ. Verse 2, it says, for the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Wow. We're free tonight. So we have to train our soul continually because our flesh is always going to be trying to pull it away. And remember, I did this, I don't remember when, it was recently, but this is the way your life is. You're looking at the Word, you're focused in your spirit, man, on the Word. Now I'm in faith. But if, if I could get pulled off, the minute my eyes leave the Word, I'm not in faith. This is not great faith, and now I'm starting to get little faith. Nope, it's faith to no faith. So this is why we constantly have to train our spirit man so that we always keep the word in our heart coming out of our mouth. This is how we live. God wants, see what we're talking about, God, the God of the universe, wants you and I to let him form us. He, he knows you. Before you were ever born, he laid out your whole life. And he wants to mold you into the man or woman of God that he's created you to be. Basically, what that looks like 
is, is, and this is the Holy Spirit's ministry in our life. He just wants to pull out of the inside of you who you really are and show it on the outside. That's what he does. And he'll introduce you to you first. And oh man, when you start to see yourself, all it makes you do is fall in love with him. Because you're like, Lord, I didn't even know. I didn't know all that you've done for me. See, I walk in more of a revelation of what it means to be born again than I have ever walked in. The number one thing in my life is the fact that I was lost and dead and I couldn't break out of it. And now I am alive. I'm found. And there is no limit to my life because there's no limit to him. There's nothing that's impossible for me because nothing's impossible to him. I love that. So let's jump over to John chapter 15. Wow, I'm not getting as far as I wanted to, but we'll, we'll, we're kind of coming down the road. I won't keep it too much longer. Just a few more minutes. John chapter 15, verse 7, gives us the foundation of what we're talking about, of renewing your mind so that you think right. John 15, 7, it says, If you abide in me, this word abide literally involves what you do with your mind. Abiding involves being consciously aware of the indwelling presence of God in my life. See, God wants me in my soulish realm to be constantly aware of his indwelling presence in my life. That's the foundation of renewing your mind. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And this word ask, it literally means to call for, to require, and to make a demand for. See, if I am consciously aware of his indwelling presence in my life, I go to him now. Because see, when you know you have him, then you know you have everything. So you're not asking him to do anything because you know he's already done it. So now, Father, I have these symptoms in my body. And right now I'm calling for my healing, my specific healing, because according to Matthew 8, 17, Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain 2,000 years ago. Does that make sense? So I'm making a demand for, I'm requiring, I'm calling for my healing. Boy, this makes people mad. They start to say things like, oh, you word of faith people, you just think you could command God to do whatever you want. Ah, uh, no, that's not even scriptural. But if I see in the word where my God, who is sovereign, has said he's given this to me, he wants me to come to him and go, hey, can I have what you gave me? Right? You know, when my kids were growing up, they didn't have to come to the refrigerator and ask, can I have this? No, 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 it's, everything is yours, right? Now that they're grown when they come over, sometimes they'll ask and we're like, whoa, wait, no, 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 you don't have to ask. It's yours, your family, you're my, you're my child, right? So, so this is the way it is with God. He loves that. But 
you're not going to be able to do that if his word is not abiding in you. And his word's never going to abide in me if I'm not abiding in him. Right? To experience transformation, you must become grounded in the fact that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That he is with you always. In the good times and in the bad times. We have no problem believing, you know, when you lead somebody to Christ or whatever and you might think okay about yourself. You know, Satan loves that when you get all excited when you've done something right because then he knows, oh man, if I could trip them up, if they're all excited about doing the right thing, they're probably going to get really bummed at themselves when they do the wrong thing. Don't be moved either way. Live by faith. Rejoice. We must be rooted and grounded in the fact that God is with me and he's already gone before me. That's what we're talking about here. And this will affect what you do. It'll affect what you say. It'll affect how you behave. It'll affect how you go and where you go. It affects everything in your life. 